read a poem. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. How are the kittens? Sleepy. They're quite sleepy right now. I'm done. I have two right now. I have... At some point I had three, but now I had two. One of them got adopted, and I'm, you know, hoping the other two will get adopted soon. Are they more amenable to being touched? They certainly are. Uh, They will now sit on me and purr, but usually (gasps) they wait until Minerva is sitting on me. And then they get excited, and they're like, oh, if Minerva's doing that, then it must be good. Uh, And then Minerva usually gets annoyed and wanders off after these kittens pile on top of me. Oh, Minerva's life is one of tragedy. Yeah, my roommate says that one day she wants to write something with Minerva being a character because she's such a weirdo. On my commute to work, I walk through a park. And recently, there has been a big old fluffy Himalayan cat. Ooh, that sounds nice. Wandering around in the park. And it's one of those cats that you can tell is not stray in any sense of the word because it's just way too fluffy and it's well cared for it it belongs in the aristocats but i've just seen this thing and i got very excited on friday because i saw it leave a house and it's like ah you've been rumbled fluffy cat now i know where you live (laughs) now you know who takes care of it you're trying to be all hard out here with the dog park but i know better is it very friendly I have never gotten near it. It's okay. a, I've always been going to work, and it's always been walking somewhere. It's got better things to do. What are we talking about today? So, I'm going to read the poem that we probably should have read in the beginning. Is this where the sidewalk ends? No. <laughs> oh, okay. This is the first poem in the book, Invitation. If you are a dreamer, come in. If you are a dreamer, a wisher, a liar, a hoper... A prayer, a magic bean buyer. If you're a pretender, come sit by my fire. For we have some flax golden tails to spin. Come in, come in. And the picture is a candle with that old timey candle stick. And the candle is like probably about half burned. It's on, it's burning. It looks welcoming. Well, why invitation? Because I am going to cross the border into Canada. No. Ah, to are you visit you. Are crossing by land or by air? Well, I'm going to start by land. I'm going to go visit friends in Bellingham, and then I'm going to go visit their family on the outskirts of Vancouver, and then I'm going to visit you. Yes, yes, you are. But the land border isn't open yet. It is, I think. You can go from Canada to the United States, but you can't go from the U.S. to Canada. Pretty sure you can drive. Mm-mm. Really? Yep. You can go from me to the States, but you can't go from the States to me. You've got to fly in. And the U.S. just extended that border closure as of last week. I am really confused now, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, nope. You're exactly right. I'm gonna oh, thank goodness, Russ. Because, Jesus. Because now I, I sound to like freak an out. Idiot. <laughs> and I have to leave that in because now I'm the one who sounds stupid. Well, I was freaking you- out because I have a... I have a train ticket to Bellingham, although half of it is bus, because Amtrak is only doing, like, a train from Portland to Seattle, and then it's just like, eh, we'll put you on a shitty bus. And the, the, the terrible thing is that it's beautiful. The train ride from Bellingham to Seattle is gorgeous, and they're going to put me on a bus. In any case, 
I have a ticket for land transportation from here to Bellingham, and then I'm going to drive with my family friend from Bellingham to Vancouver. To me! And, and then so I'm going to gonna all, fly home by air. To all listeners, I had that backwards. Uh, you, you can apparently drive into Canada from the States, but not, not from Canada into the States. And I wasn't driving in either direction because I don't have a car, so there you go. All right. Still going to be a little weird, though. Like, how does my friend get back home? If you're a United States citizen, oh, you can cross okay. that way. But okay, it's, it's okay. Like, it lo- like, well, I still have my U.S. passport, so I guess I could do both. Ooh. Right. And I'm a dual citizen, so if I wanted to... I don't know. I don't have my, I don't have my Canadian documents, though. So travel is a new thing again, and you're coming to visit me, which kicks all sorts of ass, and you want to meet me at a bird sanctuary, which I am super interestingly enthused about because it is in the middle of nowhere it really is but it's really delightful because <laughs> i don't know they, they they encourage you to feed the birds by hand and it's really cute <laughs> so i take it these birds are ones that are rescues that, that will probably no. never be released back oh in no the they're wild no. birds canada has the... just a completely different attitude on feeding wildlife than oh the US does. no they don't because i live in vancouver and we just had a big old coyote cull that everyone got up in arms about okay birds then only birds <laughs> there there's a very different opinion on feeding birds in canada than there is in the u.s i couldn't have made this up if i tried for any listeners that are near either one of our places there is a big old park in vancouver called stanley park and it's huge and pretty, and there's coyotes that live there. Well, they're a bunch of idiots who have been feeding the coyotes, which are wild dogs. Read again. Wild dogs not to be fed by people. They will bite you. And so you have people that have been feeding them, and they got acclimated to people, and then they started biting people who weren't feeding them because they're used to being fed by people. And so the Vancouver Parks Board did what it always does which is to sit on its hands until the situation becomes untenable and then they react with you know firepower and so they closed off stanley park in the pms and uh, wandered around killing coyotes and they killed off a bunch of coyotes and then they reopened the park and the day that they reopened the park two people were arrested for feeding the coyotes the fuck uh, see, this is the thing. You got for coyotes. You got to be cruel to be kind. Like you, you have to be mean to coyotes so that they don't acclimate to people, and that's the better for them. Well, I am vaxxed, fully vaxxed with Pfizer for COVID, and now I am also vaxxed for the flu, and I am coming for you, Canada. Uh, but I've been thinking about uh, borders a lot. I mean, mm. you have as well, because we as usual, are having a commotion on the U.S. border from uh, migrants trying to enter. Oh, yes. And, and most Texas recently, is being horrible as usual. Oh, yes. And most recently, it's a lot of very desperate Haitian immigrants. Mm. So with a poem like this, it makes me think of, like, who are we inviting in, which is pretty much nobody, and why. And there was the DREAM Act, which failed, which was the a law that was supposed to be passed in order to give undocumented immigrant children a chance to live and work here legally and hopefully a way to citizenship. And so then Obama issued DACA, the executive mm. order, which did some of that. Um, but the people who are qualified for DACA are still called the dreamers. Mm. So 
we have deemed in some way to some people have deemed that the only people who are justified in coming into the u.s illegally are those who have like no like ability to choose like they were just these innocent children brought over here and they thought like they don't know anything other than the united states and that's a pretty narrow and to me objectionable way of deciding who is welcome and invited Hmm. I know when when uh, Trump was threatening the Dreamers, Canada was actually tr- poaching some of the Dreamers to come over to Canada because they were psyched for these uh, well-educated and and you know hardworking uh, immigrants to be part of Canada. But that's a whole other layer of someone deciding that like who is worthy and who is not to cross a border. Mm. And the other day, my friend's mom asked my friend and I like what. What should we do about the Haitian immigrants who want to enter the United States, expecting us to have some incredibly nuanced answer about, you know, weighing the pros and cons of immigration and like talking about the laws and, and probably about like immigration reform and things like that. We were just like, let them in. That's it. That's the end. <laughs> let them in. Let them in. Yeah, borders are weird. Are a weird thing. I think a lot of people are afraid that if we just didn't have borders, that somehow everything would be overrun with with. That's the image, people. right? Yeah, and that people it would be overrun with people, and there would be such a scarcity that no one would be able to survive. But there's a really quite a forced scarcity with the incredible uh, wealth disparities that we have. And not just that, but I think most people don't actually want to leave their home. Like, you have to be pretty desperate to yeah. want to just get up and go. Every election cycle, you hear the uh, occasional American that's like, if such and such wins, I'm, I'll just move to Canada. And then zero of them actually do it. Right. Like, I was looking at the immigration stats for Canada, and every single overseas destination outnumbers american immigrants 10 to 1 like the closest is japan and even japanese immigrants to canada outrank american immigrants canada sounds great except it's even colder well i mean vancouver <laughs> that's not. why i haven't moved to canada despite being a dual citizen and they're just it's, like oh it's, it's colder though the, you and i experience literally the same weather it's true it, yeah for the most part it's like how many times a year does it snow in portland two how many times a year does it snow in vancouver two right right and actually you stay warmer in the winter than portland does because mm. they're closer to the water anywho as you would say anywho what poem do you have today Oh, what fun. Well, I tried to shift gears because I have so often just, you know, gone on about politics and I mean, my, we're and always on politics. We're always just like I'm always on QAnon, uh, who have been having a field day this week, but I'm not going to talk about QAnon today. Too late. I decided did. to go completely the opposite direction with it and talk about something innocuous and silly. And so I did that thing. All right, let's do it. So I am reading a recipe for a hippopotamus sandwich. Oh, good. A hippo sandwich is easy to make. All you do is simply take one slice of bread, one slice of cake, some mayonnaise, one onion ring, one hippopotamus, one piece of string, a dash of pepper. That ought to do it. And now comes the problem, biting into it. 
Well, you know, with the one slice of bread and then the cake is the other side, it really just sound it does sound like some sort of glamorized hipster recipe for like, you know, fried chicken in a donut or whatever like that. It very much God, fried chicken in a donut, that sounds great. I know, that's what you would think, right. And what was the catalyst for all of this, as we know? The KFC double down. What? Oh yeah, the, that's what started the, all of the, the nonsense. food wars. What what started all this ridiculous, you know, foodish stuff? It was the double down. Um, that would lead me down a rabbit hole, and then you got into the whole chicken sandwich wars, and then there was that debate from internet ages ago, where is a hot dog a sandwich? And then if a hot dog is a sandwich, what other things then follow? Right. Mm-hmm. And do words have meaning? And is this all just semantics? And of course, the answer is yes, but I love semantics. I mean, a lot of it is just marketing stuff. Of course. And so you have, when you think of a sandwich, and I said, is a grilled cheese sandwich a sandwich? And anyone would, of course, say... Yes? Yes, of course. Peanut butter and jelly, fluffernutter, Reuben, all these things are sandwiches. But what is a hot dog? A hot dog is a piece of meat and some toppings contained between two buns. This seems to be the definition of a sandwich, and indeed, this is what the internet reckoned. And so, the internet turned to, where else, the New York State Department of Taxation and Finance, and uh, it was, this bulletin that they issued explained what is considered a sandwich for sales tax purposes. And I quote the great state of New York, Heroes, hamburgers on buns, rolls, etc., hoagies, torpedoes, grinders, submarines, and hot dogs and sausages on buns, rolls, etc. So there you have it. It must be so that hot dogs are sandwiches. Well then, if this follows and everything we know is a lie, how far can we twist the definition? But why do you want to? Well, because it's fun. And so uh, Ellen McGrody uh, tweeting as at Katiebat, Okay, listen, the sandwich discourse is played out. We need a new discussion. Pop-Tarts are a kind of ravioli. Discuss. <laughs> no. And so then Pop-Tarts tweets in reply, excuse me, ravioli are a kind of Pop-Tart. No. No. We- <laughs> ah, I see you're feeling the feelings too. But then what about an Uncrustable? Is that a sandwich or a ravioli? I mean, ravioli, I don't like it. Ravioli's a pasta. It's a starch, right? No, we're not going that far into any starch. <laughs> like, no. So, any starch? That means you could, like, make a baked potato, like a stuffed potato a sandwich then. I see you live in the future, too. No, no, no. This is stupid. So what followed was the sandwich alignment chart, mm. uh, where you had structure, purists, neutrals and rebels, contrasted with ingredient purists. Uh, neutrals and rebels and so you could classify a hot dog as a sandwich because that's structure neutral and ingredient neutral and if you go structure rebel and ingredient rebel a pop tart is a ravioli and also a sandwich which falls under the category of radical sandwich anarchy but of course all of this is unnecessary and too difficult and only more chaos is going to result so lo and behold our savior phosphatide comes out of the darkness and issues forth the cube rule for foodstuffs. And so the cube rule is uh, you identify dishes based on their starch locations. So 
If you have a food, where does the starch go? There are six categories. Everything is either toast, sandwich, taco, sushi, soup in a bread bowl, or calzone. And this creates an interesting situation because nigiri sushi is technically toast. <sighs> Pumpkin pie, toast. Why? Because the starch is on the bottom. <sighs> Pizza is toast because the starch is on the bottom. Then you have this is like, a sandwich. Like, this is like from like 1984 when they're like trying more and more to get to the simplification of language. And so they just have like fewer everything gets put into fewer and fewer categories or perhaps we're just trying to fuck about on the internet (laughs) (laughs) now it must be noted that pumpkin pie is a toast right because you only have starch on one side but a slice of pie like cherry that has a crust on the top that's a taco because the starch exists on three sides okay a pig in a blanket is sushi. I mean, these of. are, these are, I mean, this is stupid and it is fucking about on the internet. However, it is also like an anthropological, like, I mean, this is what anthropologists do when they are trying to like look at a cult, unfamiliar culture. They're trying to be like, okay, categorize a whole bunch of things that in a way that makes sense to your own culture that may not make any sense to the culture that you are trying to explain and simplify. There's actually a, a well-known anthropologist that did all of this. Hold on, let me see if I can look it up. <laughs> but yeah, it was Plato that said we uh, a man is any featherless biped, and then Diogenes ran into the room with a plucked chicken screaming, behold, a man. And of course, how else do you get dichotomous keys but by, you know, <laughs> classifying things based on purely arbitrary characteristics. Mary Douglas. So Mary Douglas was a British anthropologist... Um, she was born in 1921 and died in 2007. And she wrote, among other things, about defining food and what are, what certain foods are. Such as if you ask somebody, in this case, I think it was her husband, do you want dinner? They would say, oh, yes, we want dinner, but maybe just a light dinner. And they were like, how mm. about soup? Well, soup is hardly a dinner, is it? Mm. No. So she's, she's the, probably the person who started this whole... Is a hot dog a sandwich fiascos? Mm. And where do you draw the line between? Because a stew is dinner, but where do you draw? The I don't line know. She did a she stew? did a whole thing of it, and it was and it's an example of a British anthropologist trying to categorize in the, her own culture based on food. And so the problem being, this doesn't fit into the cube rule at all. Because while I do agree that a soup is hardly a dinner, a stew could definitely be a dinner. And is and which is chili? Is chili a stew? It surely must be. But is that just some sort of subjective thickness? I don't know. She may have actually done all of this work for you. Let us never forget that a corn dog is a calzone. And I think I brought all this up just because I think it's funny that the morphological basis for separating the bilat animals is either protostomes or deuterostomes which means Mm -hmm. you either start from a mouth or start from an asshole Mm -hmm. and we humans proudly start as assholes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) oh not much has changed don't worry folks i'll be back to talking about QAnon next week (laughs) (laughs) well do you have anything uplifting to leave our listeners with I'm not talking about dicks this time. 
Da 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 da. Bruh. Bye.